What's going on, savages? Welcome to episode 13 of the podcast. It's your boy, Jeff Lynch. I'm back again to talk to you about everything that's going on in the world of comedy, my life, uh, I guess, uh, love, social climate, politics, etc., etc., with that truthful eye that you guys are enjoying so much. Thank you very much for the support we've been getting over on the uh, views. I've noticed that the listenership has massively increased recently, which is incredible. Feels very good to me. And also, in celebration of the podcast going well, we've got our first sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. Cue some applause here. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put that in later on. We'll do that in post-production. Um, we've got our first sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. The wonderful people at Boundless Tech are now sponsoring the podcast. Here's the exciting thing. Not only are they sponsoring this podcast, they're also doing a giveaway of a, uh, a wonderful piece of apparatus that you can use if you like to smoke a little, little herb. Listen, man, if you like to smoke the herb, this is the product for you. Um, I actually use a Boundless product. That's why I hit them up to see if they were interested in sponsoring the podcast in the first place. I use the Boundless CF720 to smoke sativa oil, as you will well know if you listen to episode 12 of the podcast. Um, and they've uh, they've actually given me a bit of kit to give away. It's called the Terror. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that now. Here's the readout, guys. Here's our first sponsored readout. Have you ever tasted weed before? Some of you will. Some of you won't have. I'm sure there's a few of you going, I'm not old enough yet. That's all right. Relax. It's not going anywhere. It grows naturally. It will be ready for you when you are legally allowed to do it. Now, I'm not talking about biting into a nug and chewing it up. I mean, have you ever tasted the profiles of the strain that you are smoking? Lemon haze, strawberry cough, <coughs> blueberry yum yum all have these unique terpenes and flavors that can only be tasted and enjoyed at lower temperatures than smoking it true thing. I've smoked a lot of weed before, uh, rolled it up in a fat blunt, and it's, it's kind of burned the weed. It takes away some of the, the tastes, the flavors, the special nuances of wheat. Uh, most cannabis enthusiasts miss out on these flavors as traditional smoking methods burn the flavor molecules. Those creepy flavor molecules that we don't get to taste. Boundless Technologies' most recent release, The Terror. The Terror. T-E-R-A. The terror allows cannabis enthusiasts to vaporize their herb with a max temperature of 428 Fahrenheit, enabling the true flavors to be expressed and enjoyed. So get the most out of your herb and you can win a terror today. That's correct, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be giving away a boundless tech terror to one lucky listener. I'm going to tell you at the end of the podcast how you can be in with a chance to win that. Uh, so make sure you listen to the whole thing through and you will find out how you can be in a chance to win it. Um, also, if you're a smoker, if you do like smoking a little bit of weed, if you like smoking oil, if you like smoking flour or plant, check out their website. It's Boundless Tech, spelled B-N-D-L-S, B-N-D-L-S tech.com. That's B-N-D-L-S dlstech.com or check them out at bndlstech on social media that's on instagram it's on twitter across the board boundlesstech.com make sure to check them out and if you use the code uh, the coupon code savage you will get 10 percent off any of their boundless products that's right so when you're checking out put in the code savage all capitals savage for 10 percent off any one of those wonderful boundless products uh, i wouldn't even plug them if i didn't honestly believe in them. I like the product that I have, the CF720. I use it regularly. And uh, I'm excited to check out the Terra as well, as will one of you guys when I send it to you for free. There you go. Uh, also, another little update as well. Uh, we've now got our own 
Savage Snowflake Patreon site. This is the way to do it, basically. This is a free podcast that I do every single week or uh, 10 days uh, for you guys. So I can give a little bit of laughter, put a little bit of happiness in your souls. Obviously, I don't get paid for it. Now we've got a sponsor on board. That's not like a monetary sponsorship. It's more giving product away to you guys in relationship there. Um, so if you want to be a, a Patreon supporter, all you do is go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Savage Snowflake. Patreon.com slash Savage Snowflake. And there's loads of different tiers there. You can sponsor this podcast. You can become a supporter of this podcast, donate to this podcast as little as $1 a month. No fucking joke. That is one of the tiers. For one buck a month, you can be a listener support on the Patreon site. Or there's $5. There's uh, $10. If you're a $5, you get a shout out at the beginning of the next podcast after your payment has cleared. If you're a $20 supporter, then you'll be included in a monthly improvised rap that I'm going to be doing at the end of every month on the final podcast of the month. And that will happen every single month as long as you're a $20 donator every month. Or if you go all the way up to $35, then I will hand write postcards that will send you at the beginning of every month uh, that will include like little doodles or have maybe some poems maybe some gags and also some heartfelt messages only for you to tell you how much I love your support and how much I uh, rely on it to be able to do the things that I do so check it out patreon.com slash savage snowflake all right enough of that business let's get into the meat and vegetables of the podcast today so much shit going on in the world right now some of it uh, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, some of you will already know this, surrounding me, I've been in the news recently, um, we spoke, I guess, uh, a couple of times in very light terms about the hashtag Time's Up, hashtag Me Too movements, uh, mostly in support of those movements, I'm, I'm 100% behind the idea of stopping people sexually assaulting other people, I think that's a wonderful thing to happen, let's no longer allow people to do that, and let's be in support of the people who have been assaulted in any way, shape or form. However, um, there are some people who are a part of that movement, in particular people who have made themselves almost self-appointed spokespeople for the movement, who are not beyond reproach. These are, these are people who are not living a, 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 an infallible, perfect life of only positive and um, consensual sexual interaction, who are now at the forefront of that movement. And uh, recently in the press, I was drummed up into an article which I wasn't overtly happy about. It started to spread across the internet, so it's now pretty much every news outlet or celebrity outlet has done some kind of think piece on it. And it was relating to uh, a girl that I used to be friends with many, many years ago called Asia Argento. Uh, if you are not aware, Asia Argento, along with her friend Rose McGowan, have been quite prominent in the Hashtag Me Too movement. You know, they've definitely self-appointed or maybe stylized by members of the community. They've been stylized as spokespeople, as leaders within that movement. And I went on a podcast called Legion of Skanks. A lot of you are Skanks fans. I know that. Uh, I went on with the boys there, Big J, Luis J Gomez, David Smith, and talked with them. Uh, and, and they brought up the subject of Me Too, and they brought up the subject of Rose McGowan and Asia Argento as spokespeople. And the, the general outline, give you a little synopsis, I would recommend you check out their podcast if you haven't listened to it already. It's a fantastic podcast. But let's, let's give a, 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 a swift synopsis of what we discussed. Effectively, what we discussed was the movement is a wonderful movement. Some of the people who are self-appointed speakers for that movement may not be the best choices. 
simply because whilst we're in no doubt they have been assaulted and abused by people within the film industry, um, they don't seem to have received the care, the therapy, the very focused attention to healing the experiences they've had. And instead, they have been thrust into the limelight, whether that is self-applied limelight, whether they've decided, hey, by being very vocal about my experiences within the industry and also this movement in general, I'm going to garner some spotlight, which I'm happy about. Whether that's the case, I can't say. I don't know. I can't, I'm not inside these people's heads. Or whether it's just a case that people within the movement, other victims, have decided to place upon them the mantle of leader, spokesperson. I don't know. I don't fucking know, nor do I really care. What I do care about is these women in particular, that I can only speak about um, these two that I've seen as self-appointed spokespeople, are, seem to be still suffering in a big way. I think there's a lot going on there. I think there's a lot of damage that was done to them. And I don't think they've been encouraged to seek the kind of therapy and help and healing that they need to get over traumatic fucking experiences of being abused within the industry. Instead, by taking on a mantle of spokesperson, I think it reflects a questionable element to the movement in general. It's like, yes, you're a victim and we will thrust you into the limelight. That's the right way to deal with it. As opposed to saying, yes, you're a victim and let's get you some fucking help so you don't hurt from that experience anymore. Anyway, I went on the podcast back in June. The guys brought up Rose McGowan. They brought up Asia Argento and I recounted a story. Uh, a true story of me and Asia Argento. We used to be friends, very vaguely friends. Never met in person. We were friends, online buddies. We were we met through a, a mutual agreement of a of a horrendous person we knew, and we we sort of bonded over the fact that we both knew this not very nice person, and uh, we became friends. We we were vining together. We were doing funny vines back and forth to each other. Uh, we started to talk quite deeply about. Our lives, uh, our lives, and our experiences, and our hopes, and our dreams, and our fears, and our inadequacies, and it, and it was it was a, it was an honest friendship. Whilst we never met physically in person, it was a very honest friendship, and I I, I valued it at the time. Um, I opened up quite a lot to Asia about the relationship that I was in. I was with a girl, and it was quite a toxic relationship. And at that point, I was living under constant scrutiny for my promiscuous past prior to that relationship and I was treated as though I was a piece of shit because I had had a promiscuous past even though the irony being the girlfriend that I had at the time um you know had me as her dirty little secret for a year before she even made us official because she was cheating on the father of her child who I was raising with me for a year um so it was it was a very fucked up toxic relationship um however there were certain rules in that relationship. I wasn't really allowed to be friends with many women. I wasn't allowed to be friends with anyone I'd ever had an intimate relationship, God forbid. And there were very select people that I was allowed to communicate with. Uh, I had to give over pass passwords to phones and to emails. It was, it was ridiculous. It was a Stockholm Syndrome situation for me uh, that I'm incredibly glad I'm out of now. But my friendship with Asia was okay because she wasn't someone that I'd ever been intimate with. We were in the same industry, both actors. You know, it was all good. Now... At one point in our friendship, Asia sent me uh, a video of herself 
and she was she was topless and she was just talking to me and smoking a cigarette i think i can't remember was she smoking a cigarette maybe not smoking a cigarette. no i think she was smoking a cigarette anyway she was topless and she was just like hey what's up blah 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 talking to me but with her breasts out the whole time and i responded to her and my exact response was you can't send me videos of that nature i don't judge the way you live your life but you have to take into account the way I'm living mine right now. You know, I just done a documentary about sex addiction. Whilst I don't consider myself a sex addict, you know, I think it was glamorized and exaggerated for the purpose of TV entertainment purposes for the audience. I definitely, you know, was coming out of a place of very promiscuous behavior. And I'd thrust myself into a relationship where I was raising someone else's infant child, toddler. And I was with a woman who was incredibly jealous and incredibly um, untrusting. And then I got this video from my friend, a, a platonic friend, and she's got a breast out. She's got beautiful perky titties jiggling around while she's talking to me. Now, how's that gonna fucking look if my girlfriend leans over my shoulder and goes, oh, what you watching, babe? Oh, that, that, that wouldn't have gone down well. She knew this. Asia was aware of this. However much she defended her video and told me, I'll get to what happened after I responded. But however much she might have thought it was an okay thing to do, she had an understanding of me, the relationship I was in, and also of the kind of woman I was dating. And there's no way, no fucking way, that she is not intelligent enough, because I know she's a very intelligent woman, to understand that that would not fucking wash. That that is not an appropriate thing to send to a guy in a committed relationship at that time. It was just, it was ridiculous. Anyway, this was the, what happened. I told her that this is not right. You can't send me this. Got to understand I would be the one getting in loads of fucking trouble. Not you. And my ex is, uh, sorry, my current girlfriend at the time is going to think that I'm fucking around with you because you're sending me topless videos. Anyway, Rather than being like, oh shit, okay dude, sorry, yeah, I normally, I send stuff like that to friends all the time, but you know what, I understand that you don't want it, I apologize, won't happen again. Instead of doing that, which I think would be the balanced fucking response, she lost her shit with me, told me I was a fucking idiot, and that she sends videos like that to all of her friends, and none of them care about it, why should I, and it's just a body, and she's European, and being topless is a natural thing, and blah blah blah, all shit that I agree with, but it's the circumstance, it's the context, you're sending it to someone with a committed relationship with a girlfriend, someone who's opened up to you about the fact that that girlfriend is a little bit fucking judgmental, in fact she was an absolute fucking nut job. she like would pry into my private life, thought I was doing stuff when I wasn't, and it, it was, I'd expressed all of that to my friend, and yet my friend still thought, you know what, let me send him a sweet fucking topless video, nah. That's not fucking right. If I did the same thing to her, I don't know what the equivalent would be. I mean, being topless as a man is probably less seen as a sexual thing. But if I was walking around, praying around, let's say in a tiny pair of underwear, and I sent her a video and my crotch was in shot, I guarantee, I guarantee that 90% of people in the world in a relationship with a man, if they looked at their fucking partner's phone and saw me, sending videos of myself in a pair of tighty whities with a fucking half semi-lob on, guarantee they'd be like, 
are you fucking this dude? And they would jump on their partner. They'd shit on their, on their girlfriends or their boyfriends, getting angry. Why are you receiving videos like this? What have you said to this person? That's the idea, is what did you say to this person to encourage them to send you something sexual of that nature? And that was the fucking issue. Anyway, it was June when I expressed all this in the podcast. It was very beginning of June. Obviously, since then, a couple of weeks later, I think it was, was it a couple of weeks later? Um, Anthony Bourdain, Asia Argento's then partner, committed suicide, which was incredibly fucking sad. I mean, as, for all intents and purposes, I'm not going to profess to have been hugely influenced by his work. I haven't watched enough of it to know a huge amount of him. But by the outpouring of, of upset by his army of fans and also just people in the industry, it's, it came across that Anthony Bourdain was an incredibly kind um, balanced and deep soul. He, ha- he, he, he was a good one. He was one of the good guys, you know? Then, after that happens, obviously we hit August. And what happens in August? Asia Argento is now in the press right now for allegedly having sex with a 17-year-old boy at the time. He's now, I believe, 22. She had sex with this guy, Jimmy, Jimmy Bennett, is it? Jimmy Bennett? Jimmy, Jimmy Bennett, I think an actor who she'd done a movie with when he was seven years old. She played his mother in a movie when he was seven years old, a child. She then put him in one of her movies that she was directing, I believe, when he was 17. They ended up sleeping together in a hotel room in a state in America where the legal age of consent is 18. So if the accounts are true, if the text messages she sent to her friend, which has since come out where she acknowledges she had sex with him, are true, that means that Adrian Argento, at that time, a 37-year-old woman, had sex with a child, an underage child in that state. You, you got to know your fucking laws. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, as a 37-year-old, have sex with a 17-year-old, which, first of all, I'll get to that. I think that's fucked up in itself, and I'll talk about why. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for throwing a fist in an anus if someone wants that to happen to them. I'm all for putting on some leather bondage gear and a, a, a pony butt plug and and if someone wants to be smacked around the face you all of that shit as long as it's consensual is all fucking good but one thing that you can't ignore is like i'm i'm 34 i'm three years younger than she was at that time when she slept with this jimmy lad i'm three years younger than that i can see how sleeping with a 21 year old could be possible I could see even how maybe a very mature-looking 19, 20-year-old in a, it, it could be possible. You could go, all right, well, maybe they look kind of 23, 24. I get it. I could get that. But a 17-year-old, look, let, let me talk about it as a man, a 70, as a heterosexual man, sorry. A 17-year-old girl, dude, looks like a fucking child. They look like children because they're fucking children. It's not hard. It's not like, it's not brain science. I walk down the roads or I'm, I'm driving around in my car, right? Boom, boom, boom. And I see a sexy girl. Wow. Cracking body, blah, blah, blah. Long hair down to a thing. And when you drive past that girl, you either go, cool, she's a fucking 25 or 30 year old. She looks fucking smoking. Boom, boom, boom. Or you're like, whoa, man, how old is that chick? Let me forget those. Let me forget what I thought seeing the back of her because now I've seen the front of her. I know that it's wrong. I know that there's a question. I know that I would have to check this person's legal fucking age to even understand whether the thoughts, the, 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 the completely fair, because you couldn't see the face of the person, the, the front of the body of the person, you couldn't understand. But you know what I'm saying? You, I, could, 
I could get if she'd fucked a 19-year-old boy in a, in, a, in a place where 21 maybe was the legal age. I could get that she could do that because a 19-year-old boy, maybe he started to become a man, he started to fill out. Who knows? He could have looked very mature for his age. Jimmy, that kid at 17, looked like a fucking boy. And in the same way, I can only equate it to myself. When I see a girl who is 16, 17, 18, bear in mind in England, the legal age is 16. I could never fuck a 16-year-old. And the reason for that is because she looks like a child. She looks like a fucking kid. And the reason I feel so passionately about that is because I raised a fucking child. For four years, I raised a 13-month-year-old baby until she was five years old. Like, I raised a little girl. And I saw her as the infant she was, who needed protecting, who needed to be, uh, have a father figure, who needed to be kept away from predators, who needed to be... Um, I don't know. I needed to focus on the on the on the on the the development of her. Like that, that was the scariest thing, especially as a stepfather figure. Is is you don't want to uh, you know, um, especially when a small child starts to discover their own bodies or their sexuality. You don't you don't want to fucking stunt them or give them issues they're going to grow up with. But you also want to slow that down as much as possible and be like, yo, just enjoy being a child. Don't you know what I mean? Like like you have to. It's, it's a very weird thing that only parents or anyone who's ever raised a child will understand. But it's a scary thing and you, you, you get fearful about every fucking aspect of it. To the point where, and this is, I'm going to be honest with you, I would, I would take her out with friends and f other families, other parents, blah, blah, blah. And there's a tiny part of my brain, and I know it's a fucked up part of my brain, but it's an animalistic, protective father part of your brain, that when I would see another dad... And he's a dad, he's got his own kids, he's a good guy, I'm sure he's fucking lovely. But another dad, like, picks her up or puts her on his knee or something like that. There's a little part of me going, are you a pedophile? Do I need to cut your fucking cock off? Like this, and it's a, it's a fucked up bit, but parents will understand. You just are, you just become 35% more cynical about everyone and assume that everyone is capable of terrible things and you need to protect your child from that. And because of that, it, it very much put women into uh, kind of different categories for me. And I, 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 have to, I have to just be honest, a woman 18 or a child 17 and under still looks like, a, they all look like children to me now. They just look like kids. You can't sexualize that. And if you do, you gotta fucking slap yourself in the face or you got to think about what's fucked up in your head that you're sexualizing. So I don't give a fuck. Like, outside of whether, you know, let's, uh, it's still at this point, legally, I don't want to get myself into a loophole. Let's, it's allegedly they slept together, despite her text messages to a friend, which has recently surfaced, like I say, where she claims to have had sex with him as well. She acknowledges having sex with him. Let's just say allegedly, allegedly she had sex with him. Allegedly having sex with a 17-year-old, I don't understand how as a 37-year-old you can even contemplate that choice. It's so fucked up. Now, obviously what happens is when a big story like that breaks, especially in um, when someone has identified themselves or positioned themselves as a spokesperson for the movement, they obviously dig into everything else that person's done. You know, this is a big, this is a big story right now. This is, this is a huge... Um, kick to the face of supporters of Asia Argento um, and also considering the rhetoric that she has been extolling into the world which is all abusers need to be taken to task anyone who's ever assaulted anyone should be taken down we have to believe every victim now she's on the receiving end 
she's assaulted someone allegedly that someone was a child in the state they were in at the time so it would count as statutory rape um it would also mean that she's a sexual offender you know she's it, technically it's pedophilia if you have sex with an underage um person in that in in, in the state you're in and um and beyond that it also goes against every single thing you are championing and uh, campaigning for and it's that's fucked up the press got stuck into this and what they decided to do now is um dig through old stories obviously someone linked them or they heard my comments on the legion of skanks and it was the timing it was the, that was the the major element the fact that i said this back in june like you know hey i don't know if this woman in particular this particular woman is the right spokesperson for this movement because she herself has been guilty of doing something that wasn't right sending me nudes when i didn't request them and then when i told her i don't want to receive them she treats me like i'm a piece of shit for it that's fucked up anyway obviously they've drudged this up it's hit the press there's been in interesting responses to it you know um some people obviously are like oh this guy just wants some attention i don't i don't want this attention i don't want to be fucking in any kind of article about this shit because i think it's enough to just be a supporter of a movement and not have to be any kind of spokesman for it i don't want to talk to anyone about it i've been reached out to by multiple um press outlets who have obviously reprinted my comments from the legion of skanks podcast and i, I I've, I've politely declined to to exaggerate or, 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 or sorry speak at any further length about this to anyone because i didn't want my words to be taken out of context and i also I also want to make a couple of points about my my relationship with Asia Argento. My relationship with her was never sexual. Um, it was always friendship. I do think still that sending unwanted sexual, you know, sexual imagery, whether she was being sexual by sending it to me, I don't think she was. She's a she's a flouncy Italian artiste, director, actor. You know, she believes in free love and progressive attitudes i'm sure that walking around with her breasts out is a you know wonderful natural great do it do it with your children do it with your family do it with your lovers i'm happy for you to do that with anyone you like however you should also still get consent from someone if you want to do that that's my feeling however let me say this it caused me zero trauma it caused me zero upset it frustrated me it made me a little angry and i told her that i said don't do that please don't do that because it would reflect badly on me to my partner and I out of respect to her I don't want you to be sending me videos like that but I'm not ashamed or embarrassed by a naked breast free the nipple all that business good go for it I also am very very comfortable being nude however I would never just go like yo here's my dick enjoy it I've sent plenty of photos to women but I've sent them to women who wanted to see photos of me or we were exchanging photos with each other. And that's how it works, right? It's, it's just, it's so frustrating. We're getting so, there's no standards set in place. Um, and that's the difficult thing right now with this entire social climate and also the movement. The difficult element is whilst the principles of a movement are incredibly positive and incredibly decent, and morally and ethically on point and with of that i have no doubt whilst the understanding that someone like asia being abused in the industry should absolutely be taken with seriousness and should absolutely be dealt with and should absolutely she should be supported in in, in the abuse she received 100 does that mean that every single victim 
or every single person who makes themselves a spokesperson or every single person who talks or supports or marches for or shows some sense of support for a movement that is to deal with sexual assault. Is that to say that all of them are infallible? Not one of them has any kind of dark history in their past? Nah. I think it's naive to think that. I think that every single one of you listening to this podcast at some point may have made a comment or made a gesture or done something that if you were to go back and ask every single partner of yours, did you feel comfortable every single time I ever kissed you or touched you or talked to you in a certain way? They might find out the answer is no. They might. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying they might. And when, in the case of Adrian Argento, I was already aware back in June that, all right, well, this chick isn't the right person for this, to be a spokesperson for this movement, in my opinion. Anyway, it all came out. It went across the news a little bit. I didn't really get a chance to talk about it. So I wanted to do that on this podcast and just give my thoughts. You know, that's where I'm at with it. I think, um, I'm not sure what's going to happen to her. And I, I, I mean, I, Two years after after she and I had that bust up, once my relationship had ended with my ex, which was a very toxic relationship, like I say, once that had ended, I reached out to her, I sent her a text message, didn't know if it was still her number, and I just said, hey, listen, I'm just sending you love and positivity. I hope you and your kids and your, the rest of your family are doing well, and I wish you all the success in the world. And she responded like, hey, lovely to hear you, thanks very much, you know, lots of love to you too, blah, 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 blah. And, and that was it, we had just like a little exchange then. And... That was one of the things that people brought up. I had one person, in fact, one person on Twitter was like, if you were so offended by her nudity, if you were so traumatized by it, which I never claimed that I was offended or traumatized. If you were like that, if she hurt you so much, why, why did you reach out to her two years later? And here's the answer. Because I'm not a cunt. Because I'm not a piece of shit. Because I don't think that her one gesture by her I think she was a little embarrassed that she sent that video and then I called her out on it. And I think she probably went, oh, and, and in her insecurities and her embarrassment, because she wasn't used to being told, please don't send this shit to me. I think she re recoiled a bit. And that's why she, you know, some people get defensive and I think she got a little defensive. And that's why she went, fuck you. You don't understand what I'm about. I still to all my friends. It's not a big deal. Get over yourself. And then I'm not your friend anymore. And that's why after my breakup and I was allowed to finally reach out to people that I hadn't been in contact with for a while, I was allowed to regain some of the friendships I had lost because of the very controlling girlfriend that I had at the time, I reached out to her. To, to take me to task for that is exactly the thing that so many people behind this movement are, are professing to be against, which is victim blaming. And it's, it's so fucking ridiculous. I didn't consider my, myself a victim of any sexual assault by her sending me a nude video. I don't. I want to say that. I'll go on the record and say, I don't feel I was victimized or assaulted in any way. I wasn't offended by it. I just knew that it wasn't right for her to send that to me without asking if it was okay to do it first. And I knew that my partner at the time would have been fucking unhappy about it. Anyway, that's where I'm at with it. So... You know, great to be in the press for something that I fucking loathe, i.e., you know, tabloids digging out stories, trying to make more of a drama out of something that wasn't a drama in the first place. But it'll be interesting to see how that all f f pans out, you know, how the, how the law treats her, 
how the process treats her, how the relation to the money that was paid to this Jimmy actor kid, you know, apparently apparently had a payout of $380,000. And uh, apparently it was her partner at the time, Anthony Bourdain, who made that payment. Uh, there's so much going on there in that kind of triangle of situations. Her her alleged sexual relationships with this 17-year-old at the time, the payouts, Anthony Bourdain making those payouts, Anthony Bourdain's suicide down the line after, I believe, Asia Argento, and he split due to a potential story that she had hooked up with someone else. It's, it's, it's very confusing. Whilst it's not gonna, I'm not gonna give it too much of my energy or time, I will be intrigued to see what happens there. Um, as long as I'm no longer a part of it, that'd be lovely. Speaking about sexual assault and faces associated with sexual assault and their careers, Louis C.K.'s back, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, he went on stage, I believe in the last 48 hours, he went on stage, a surprise spot. He just turned up at the Comedy Cellar, which is my home club back in New York City. My favorite spot to be at in a wonderful comedy club, Beyond Reproach, run by incredible people, um, owned by a man called Noam Dwarman, who I owe an awful lot to in this country, and booked by Esti Adaram, a wonderful booker who absolutely loves comedy and every single facet of it. He turned up to the club. He didn't tell anyone he was turning up. He just was like, hey, I'm the guy who hasn't done comedy for almost a year. Because, you know, I pulled my dick out in front of people that I shouldn't have done and I uh, jerked off while I was on the phone to some people and generally acted like a, a bit of a fucking pervert, to be honest. And he just turned up to the comedy cellar and told the MC, hey, I just want to jump on and do a spot. Now, here's, here's the thing. It, this, again, has blown up. People, people love to focus more attention on, you know, the terrible behavior of comedians than they do the infinite situations of terrible behavior within our governance of this country within <laughs> it's just i just i just i just wonder who is making up the scale if i fucking know it's media isn't it sort of fake news outlets and media outlets and, and on both sides of the camp you know when i say fake news it's not that's not uh, uh, a conservative rhetoric that's not republican rhetoric that is a democratic rhetoric as well i think there's fake news across the board from both outlets and basically i think they seem to be making us focus on ridiculously small situations within an, a world and a social climate where there are huge, hugely terrible fucking things happening to people on a daily basis. It kind of gut-wrenchingly tears my chest, my heart uh, out my chest, my, my chest open on a daily basis to read this shit. Louis C.K. did comedy again. He's a comedian. He was always going to come back and do comedy. Anyone who doubted that uh, was a fucking moron or living in a fantasy world. He's a comedian through and through. That's his career. That's his start. That's his middle. And that's his end of what he does creatively. And he was going to absolutely give some time away. I thought he could have done a lot more to remove the besmirched nature of his name, I think, within the industry. He could have definitely addressed what he had done a little bit more fully. He could have appeared on maybe a talk show and, and, and given a very remorseful and honest account of the understanding he, he now has of what he did wrong and why it was wrong and the hurt he caused and how he can help to undo that as he moves forward in his career that maybe would have been a more intelligent and more pr friendly way to go about things turning up to a comedy club that you are synonymous with not telling the owner or the booker you're going to randomly turn up 
basically using your status and influence to not bully his way, but certainly impress upon the MC, hey, I'm just going to jump up and do a spot. If you're an MC of a comedy club and Louis C.K. turns out one of the most famous faces within that industry and says he's jumping on, you just go, oh, okay, cool. What do you, what do you want me to say? Anything before I bring you up? No, just, just bring me on. You just agree to it. That's unfortunately the situation. I don't feel like the MC had any part to play in his appearance or any fault in his appearance on stage. And then he just jumped on. And this was the bit that this is the bit that upset me the most about Louis C.K.'s first show back. Well, actually, his first show apparently was at Governor's Comedy Club um, in Long Island. But apparently that didn't go down as well as he hoped. So he came over to the Comedy Cellar and did a spot there instead. As your first approach back, if you have been outed as being a pervert who used your power, your influence, your success in your industry to do some pretty fucking abusive things to women in your industry, pulling your dick out in front of them, hey, is it cool if I'm pulling my dick out? And then pulling it out before they have a chance to say no. That's a shitty thing to do. Do I think it affects how funny he is as a comedian? No. Do I think he should never have a career in comedy again? No. Do I think he needed to massively, in his first shows back, in a big way, address that in his comedy? Yes! And he didn't. The reports of the set he did, and this is from close friends who were both at the club and watched it, um, you know, comedy friends, people in the industry, and also uh, press accounts of what set he did. He didn't mention it once in his set. What he did was a pretty standard Louis C.K. Hey, I'm going to talk about this and this and this, and these are things that I want to impress upon you. And hey, I'm a comedian and blah, 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 blah. And hey, what's with this? He just did very normal Louis C.K. material. And um, there was an article, um, The Hollywood Reporter did a, I think the best, if you want to read an article on this, read The Hollywood Reporter article where they do an interview with the club's owner, Noam Dorman, who is uh, a wonderful, like I say, a wonderful man, I can't praise him enough. I think he's such an incredibly well-balanced and eloquent individual. And he basically said, w is this the way that I would have liked Louis to come back and do comedy? No, personally. Did I know about it prior to that? No, I was asleep at home. It was a very late show and he just turned up. So there was nothing he could do about it. And do I think there was a better way for him to approach it? Yes. And I agree. I think he missed an opportunity. And he's only going to get one of those for his first show back to make it something very honest, very thought out, and very raw and real about, hey, I'm going to dress in my comedy, the art form that I so love with all my heart, soul, and being. I'm going to address the fact that I pulled my dick out in front of people without their consent. I jerked off talking on the phone to people without their consent. And that's wrong. And that's fucked up. And that makes me perverted. And it makes me an abuser of my power in this industry. And I will address that. And I will be honest and raw about it. I will empathize with the victims of what I did. I will address the change that I've undergone, the understanding I now have. And I will also, as a comedian, as a consummate professional of my fucking industry, I will make jokes at my own expense that are funny about this subject matter before I continue. He didn't even need to make it fucking five to ten minutes of incredible material at the top of his set to do that. He could have just done a two-minute heartfelt explanation. He didn't even make, need to make it a fucking joke. Let's be honest. There's an awful lot of a trend in comedy at the moment, and especially uh, particular specials, 
that are not necessarily entirely focused on the comedy element. They're focused on ethics and morality and political outlook and people are presenting that as almost like a one-person show. So why couldn't Louis C.K. get up and just go, hey, guys, before I start my set, I want to make something very clear and I want to have you guys understand that I understand what I did was fucked up and wrong. I'm remorseful. I'm honestly, he could have impressed that upon the audience. He could have dealt with it there and then. And then he could have cracked some fucking great jokes about himself being a piece of shit. And if he'd done that, I feel like the press would have reacted incredibly differently. They'd still want to say, they'd still want to pose the question and get the debate going and get the arguments between polarized people in this situation. Oh, should he even be allowed to ever perform again? I, my personal opinion, for Louis C.K.'s situation, yes, I think he's a man who has a sickness. And that sickness is a perversion, a sexual perversion. And whilst he didn't rape anyone or grab and assault in that manner, he definitely used his power and his influence to commit experiences of sexual assault where, where women felt uncomfortable because he did something without their com- full consent. So yes, he needs to be punished for that. He needs to take time away. He needs to go- undergo some therapy. He needs to undergo some change. He needs to go and do some learning. He could have he could have done a TV fucking series. He could have done a, a one-off documentary where he addresses his issue and presents it to the world as an honest and open learning process for him. But to come on stage and just go, hey, what's up, guys? All right, I'm just going to do some stuff. I've got a few new ideas, blah, blah, blah. And just rattle out some stuff about how, you know, cab drivers fucking hate him or you know whatever the fuck he did on stage just seems to me like a massively missed opportunity what do you guys think i'm really enjoying the fact that we have so many listeners now and we're building an audience very rapidly and one part of it is that i've started to get messages from you guys on my twitter and on my instagram and on my facebook page where you guys are talking to me directly and saying hey man i like that bit of podcast you know what though i think about this uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Or, hey, I heard your point, and I disagree, Jeff. Actually, I think there's something else going on here, or I think you could have looked at it this way. I encourage that. I need this conversation with you guys. Do you think, what, what's, what's the outcome? What's the outcome for someone like Louis C.K.? Because there are shades of gray in everything in the world. And, and, and if you're someone who lives your life in black and white, I, it's, it's very likely I won't be able to have a decent conversation, debate, or sharing of ideas and experiences with you because you'll probably just be like no you're wrong about this and yes I'm right about this or no that's not true or yes this is true you have to see shades of gray in every situation someone like Harvey Weinstein with multiple counts of rape against him sexually abusing woman after woman after woman after woman after woman Bill Cosby raping multiple women I mean this deserves prison sentences Louis CK doing something a bit twisted does he need to go to prison I'm asking. I'm not telling. Does he need to go to prison for a while? Does he, if he hasn't been taken to court by anyone, if there's no uh, police charges against him, should he be forced to undergo some kind of therapy and prove that he's undergone that, prove that he's changing his outlook, his mindset? Should he never be allowed to perform again? Personal opinion, because I know that's why you're here. That's why you're listening to my podcast every, every week. Personal opinion, I don't think what Louis C.K. did means he should never be able to perform again. I think it means a couple of things. I think it means a large amount of his audience might no longer want to support what he does as, a, as an auteur, 
as a, as an artist, a creator, a performer, a stand-up, a director, a writer, I think he's going to lose his audience, and that should be a natural reaction to the actions he carried out. I think he needed to take time away, as he did, but I think it was so incredibly important, I can't understand why he didn't do this, because he's an intelligent fucking dude. Why, as an intelligent man, would you not address the Louis C.K. ginger bush shaped elephant penis in the room <laughs> by talking about your remorse, your understanding, the learning you've done. And that is the bit that I think is going to lose him favor amongst both audiences and the comedy industry alike because you didn't fucking, you didn't own it mate you didn't fucking acknowledge it mate you didn't fucking deal with it mate and you had to do it yeah only had one fucking chance to make that first impression of your second impressions does that make sense your first comeback going hey man i fucked up and i'm back to perform again but before i do that but before i carry on i'ma let you finish but before i do that's what he needed he needed kanye west to come to the show, he should have got up on stage and be like, ladies and gentlemen, Louis C.K. And people are like, oh my God, Jesus, he's back. Whoa, 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 applause, but are we angry? Are we happy? How do we feel? What do we do? And he comes on stage and he should have been like, you know, hey, what's going on? I'm Louis C.K. I'm just going to do something. And then as soon as he started talking, Kanye West bursts out, ah! wearing, wearing, American, wearing a Make, a Garrett, Make America Great Again hat. It would be so conflicted, the image. Kanye West jumps out the back of the room. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's got a Make America Great hat on again. A pair of Yeezys. Nothing else. Nothing else. Fuck no. He's got a pair of Japanese clogs, which is, seems to be the new thing that he's now promoting with his Yeezys. He wore them recently to a, a wedding. He jumps out in a pair of clogs, some fucking Yeezy wire fronts, <laughs> and a Make America hat again. And he's like, yo, 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 motherfucker. I'm going to let you finish. But I want to say... <laughs> Aziz Ansari is the least offensive of all of the people who have been brought up in the hashtag MeToo movement right now. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to let you finish, but motherfucker. I don't know. What's the right punishment for Louis C.K.? That's the point. Does this mean that someone's career has to end if they did some things that were a little fucked up? Because guess what? Right now, right now, in the music industry, there are a plethora, not one, not two, not 10, but dozens and dozens and dozens of men and probably women, I don't know, but the only stories I'm aware of are of men who have domestic abuse, rape, assault, sexual assault claims, murder, all of these things, crimes that they have committed on their rap sheet. And no one is, like, storming the fucking offices of, you know, huge record labels and saying, this person should not be allowed to be a recording artist because they, back in 1999, assaulted their girlfriend. No one's saying, yo, Chris Brown should never be able to release a track ever again because he beat the shit out of Rihanna in a car. No one is saying, oh, Temptation passed away, but did we also acknowledge the fact that he assorted sexually and violently a partner in the past no one they're, they're, they're lauding him for being a hero after death and a, a creative legend I mean, it, it, here's my point is like why has comedy 
Why is comedy taking the brunt of this so much? And why are there different rules for comedians seemingly in the social consensus and the social outrage than there are for musicians or bankers or lawyers? It's just very... Or sportsmen. Oh, my God. Sportsmen? Fuck me. If every sports star who has raped, assaulted, murdered, cheated... Like, if every single one of those people who's committed a crime in the world of sport and music were no longer allowed to create their art form or create their athletic abilities on a sports field, if every single one of those was, was told you're not allowed to do it anymore because the world is outraged, guess what? Half of the fucking NFL would just disappear. They'd just, they'd just disappear, bro. You'd have no more fucking... Guess what? NBA is dead. <laughs> The NBA's over. Sorry, guys. Like, we can't play with half a team on every team. We can't do it. it, it basketball will become three a side. It, it'd be like, you know what? Just, that's it. Uh, NBA's dead now. It's just, you've got the WBA and that's it. That's all it is now. <laughs> NFL would just completely end. Soccer would no longer exist. Rap music, fucking rap music. That'd be it. Done. Done. From from the OGs to the fucking new school, new bloods, there would be nothing in the world of rap and R&B. Nothing. No one allowed to create anymore. So that's my, that's my question. What's the right punishment for someone like Louis C.K.? You know? And how could he have approached this better? My personal opinion, he should have addressed it in that first show back. He should have very carefully outlined that he was coming back to the people who were running a club that have given him immense opportunity, money, support. I feel like Noam Dorman got a little fucked there. He got a little fucked there by Louis C.K. You know, it's not gonna, it's not, it's gonna, it'll blow over in a week. It'll blow over in a week. I was having a conversation with him, um, with Noam, and just reaching out and just wanted to remind him that he's very loved and very supported. And um, one of the things I said to him was, and, and this applies to the Asia Argento hubbub, which, within which I'm being painted as a victim, which I'm not very happy about, but also I'm very much being painted in, in the positive light, which, great, but I would rather not be painted in any way in that story. But I said this to him, and I think this applies, that if it's news for a week or two weeks, look past it, carry on, keep doing what you're doing, keep living your best version of yourself. If it's a, still a story in two, three months' time, that's when you really need to address, is this something that's going to affect me? I don't think this will affect the comedy seller, and I certainly hope not, because it's one of the best venues in the world, without, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. It's, it's created the careers of so much talent that you profess to love, that if people started to boycott a venue that had no power... This is, this is the conundrum as well, actually. Let me, let me, I didn't even think about this until now. Louis C.K. really fucked up in that instance beyond not addressing his past behavior in his stand-up set. He fucked up by turning up to a comedy club that has done wonders for his career. And don't get me wrong, he's done wonders for them as well by being there as a regular prior to all of these um, these sexual allegations. He certainly helped bring more people down there, as did Amy Schumer, Aziz Ansari, Ray Romano. All these superstars are performing there every night of the week, and that's why people go down there. I get it. However, 
by turning up there, not telling the owner, not telling the booker prior to it, telling the MC, I just want to jump on and do some stuff, and they them go, oh, okay, Mr. Incredibly Powerful still, and very synonymous as one of the biggest faces in comedy right now, Mr. Louis C.K., of course I'll let you go on. He once again utilized his power to get what he wanted without necessarily checking with the right people first, if that was okay. That, that's an issue. And I didn't even think about it until now. That's a fucking issue. Hang on a second. Does that mean the comedy seller got fucking me too by Louis CK? <laughs> oh my God. That's what we should do. Hashtag venue too. Hashtag venue too. They got fucked by Louis CK. Oh wow. These two, just these two stories has taken up almost the entire podcast. I have so much I want to talk about. I'm going to try and leave you on something a little more positive, actually. Um, those of you who keep up on my social media and look at my Instagram, especially my Instagram stories and my, my updates on there and my Twitter to some extent, my Facebook as well. I put a lot of stuff up on Facebook. I've been going through a real change the last few weeks, uh, physical changes, trying to find trying to find the level of fitness that I had a few years ago when I was training for a movie that ended up never happening because they lost funding. <laughs> At great expense to myself. It's a great story. I ended up spending $4,000 uh, £4, GBP, baby. The Queen's gold. Oh, the Queen's gold. I spent £4,000 on a personal trainer over three months. They were training me twice a day for two-hour sessions twice a day. So I was doing four hours of working out a day. They were giving me all my meals nutrients, all of that stuff, planning everything out. And I got really fucking fit. And I looked incredible. I was ripped to fuck. I was lean, muscular. It was amazing. I had a shirtless scene in this movie and it was going to be my big Hollywood movie. And I was super stoked. I was blown away. And then I spent three and a half thousand pounds on a suit for the premiere by an incredible tailor called Sir Tom Baker. Not Ted Baker, not to be confused with that cheap tap. Sir Tom Baker. And he, that's unfair actually, Ted Baker makes some more stuff. But he's a, he's a Savile Row train tailor who makes punk rock tailoring. It's amazing. I got this suit. So I spent seven and a half thousand pounds. And then they finished, uh, they cancelled principal photography a month before principal photography. So per my contract, instead of getting the full amount or half the amount or any major funds, I was entitled to four thousand pounds for saving the dates. But because I had a month lead in, their idea was that I should be able to audition and get new jobs and line up new work. So it was enough time. So I got £4,000. I'd spent £7,500. So I was down £3,500, which is about $5,000. And I had a fucking suit and abs and nothing to use it on. It was so depressing. Anyway, I'm back in that place now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm training six days a week. And I've started jogging and I'm getting super fit. And here's what I realized. And this is what I want to finish up the podcast with today because we've had so much serious talk of quite dark subject matter. But I think nonetheless, stuff that we have to talk about and that we should be talking about, especially as a comedian and especially considering I was embroiled in that first story with uh, regards to Asia. I think that we are completely, as I get older, I'm more and more realizing how, and this is a man who suffers, sorry, I keep going off on tangent. This is as a man who suffers deeply from depression i'm sick and tired of feeling that way i'm sick and tired of it and i'm realizing more and more and more how much the individual plays a role in changing their situation 
you can take medication, you can do various things to feel better, but there's, it has to be, I think I'm self-applying therapy in a big way, that you have to just hit a point where you go enough is enough. For some people that means they're overwhelmed and they take a route out, maybe like, look, like Anthony Bourdain, you know, or numerous other celebrities over the last few years who have, it's come to light, have been suffering from major depression or anxiety and, and couldn't deal with it anymore. Or you hit a place where I think I've hit, and I, and I hope I can extol some of this to you and pass on this message so you guys can run with it. And that is, I've hit a point now where I'm just like, no, enough. I'm taking the old Nike adage, just do it. The other day I didn't want to get up and run. I was like, I, I should really run. And I set an alarm for eight in the morning. I was like, I'm going to get up and do an hour running before I come back and get into my full day of gymming it, writing. I had a submission packet for the Ellen show. I had a, a stand-up show in the evening. I had a podcast to record in the afternoon. And then on top of that, I was also helping a friend self-tape for a, a TV show. I had a, a, an incredibly full day, but I also wanted to get up and run in the morning. And when I woke up, I was tired. And I felt a bit low. And I was like, this is the moment where I'd go, you know what? I've already got a busy day. Let me just put that aside. But I know what it does. All those little things that you stave off, that you push to tomorrow, that you say, maybe I can't do this today, that you allow your feelings to dictate, only push you deeper into that pit of despair or that deep depression or that anxious feeling or that feeling of worthlessness. And I've hit a point where I'm just like, enough's enough. And I'm fucking doing it. And it feels amazing now, guys. It really honestly feels amazing. I feel vibrant and full of life. And I want you to take this. I, I, I honestly want you to do this. If you're a listener of this show, if you're a supporter of what I do, of my comedy, and also of my, I would like to think, quite well-balanced life views, which is what this podcast is. It's a mixture of comedy and, I would like to think, a balanced life view that I think we can all hopefully debate, discuss, and grow out of. There's got to be something right now. It could be a script you want to write. It could be a recipe that your mum used to make that you've been dying to learn. It could be an extra day in the gym you've been trying to fit into your schedule. It could be a conversation with a friend in a relationship that's not been running the way you want it to, that you've been trying to have or meaning to have that you haven't yet. It could be a bit of fucking wallpaper that you've been meant to put up for three months, but it's been sat next to the corner of the room with the roller, with the fucking glue, and you haven't got around to doing it. Whatever it is, when you finish listening to this podcast, do it. Just do it! Just do it! I'm Shia LaBuffing the fuck out of you right now. I am Nike Shia LaBuff inspirational Instagram model. My booty's on point. My glutes a perky, delicious, and rotund. I'm using inspirational quotes. Gandhi said it, I'm saying it again. Fucking hell, Jesus Christ, play some meditation music. Let's all do yoga. Let's write a fucking YouTube series. Look, you know I don't stand for all the bullshit, the fakery, the, 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 the prescribed social ideas and ideologies of you got to be this you got to be that i get that we feel low i get that we feel down sometimes i get that shit gets too much but right now you right now are in control right this very second that's what i'm asking you to do like an aa meeting you take it one day at a time one moment at a time this moment right now there's something think about what that thing is that you really wanted to get done and that you haven't done 
And don't start to get into your head of why haven't I done it? What does that mean for me? Why do I need to do I need to address the feelings of why I don't do it? But forget all that. That's what I've been doing for a long time. Is why don't I do it? What is addressing me that way? Sorry, what 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 am I not addressing that's making me behave that way? Why am I not achieving those things? Why am I not taking control of this thing? Why am I why, why? stop thinking? Stop thinking and start fucking doing. So right now, we're wrapping the podcast. Do me a favor. Get your fucking thing done that you want to achieve. And here's how you're going to win that boundless terror. That wonderful piece of apparatus that is going to help you smoke the most delicious of flowery herbs from the Garden of Eden itself. You want to get some of that strawberry quaff, that lemon haze, that blueberry yum yum, pop, put it, pop it in, heat it up to 420 degrees Fahrenheit, get the sweet vapors, taste every ounce of that fucking plant in its purest perfection and you want yourself a boundless terror i'm going to send that to one lucky listener and that lucky listener is going to be the person who sends me what i seem to think is one of the most interesting exciting achievements that they've done at the end of this podcast so go out there do that thing that you want to do fucking no excuses don't think about it stop it put down this podcast and go and do that fucking thing. Whatever it is. If it's writing one page of a script, do it. If it's cooking that recipe, do it. If it's phoning your grandmother who you haven't called for a couple of weeks, do it. Whatever it is, do that thing. Text me. Text me? You don't have my fucking number. If you have my number, text me. That's fine. But <laughs> don't text me if you don't have my number. That creep the fuck out of me. It would scare me. Follow me home. Come to my house and slip a handwritten note in your own blood <laughs> under my door. No, I want you to tweet at me or I want you to send me a message. My DMs are open on Instagram, at Jeff Leach on both Insta and Twitter. And let me know what you did, how it fucking felt to do it, and, 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 and what the next thing you're going to achieve is. Those are the three things I want from you. And one of you is going to win yourself a boundless terror. It will be sent to you in the post. All you need to do after that is I'll direct message you and ask for your address. We will post it off to you. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you use coupon code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E, you'll get 10% off all of Boundless's products, which is a fucking great deal, man. They've got some great stuff on there. BNDLSTech.com. Make sure to check out as well Patreon.com forward slash Savage Snowflake. You can donate as little as $1 a month, guys. And uh, that will make a difference. I'm hoping you might be able to do more. I'm excited for it. Also, on the next podcast, I think I'm going to have exciting news about some new merchandise. This Snowflake, Savage Snowflake podcast logo that was designed by an incredible designer. Um, it, that's going to be available on various bits of merchandise. I'll talk about that more on the next podcast. Guys, thanks for joining me. I love you. I hope you got a bit more clarity on the Asia Argento situation. I hope we've had a good discussion about Louis C.K. and what this means for comedians in general, including... You know, Aziz, Louis, and anyone else who's been caught up in one of these stories lately. And also, I hope that one of you gets to enjoy that boundless terror. I love you guys. See you next time, savages. Peace. Peace.